0: Song. I don't know, has anybody heard this? 10,000? Who has not heard it? Great, well, let's sing it. <laughs> yeah, so I was in the in the ark. So uh who wrote that song? I heard it. Matt Redman. Matt Redman. Who else wrote it with him? <laughs> it was based on Psalm 103, at least the first part of it and a few things, but also Jonas Mirren helped write it. So um and it, the inspiration was uh verse was uh, the opening verse of Psalm 103. Uh, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. If you haven't guessed, Psalm 103 is our psalm for today. You know, I, I think we should title these Sunday schools something like the Psalm Smackdown, right? Wouldn't it be fun, like, uh, no, all right, this is maybe not. Oh, uh, so at the end, we're going to sing another song uh, but it's a hymn, written almost a hundred years ago, and uh, it's in our hymnals, so they're there. Maybe you can guess without looking at the back, you know, because you can look in the back and get a reference. So maybe you can guess. We—I know of one person who knows the song because he's gonna—he's gonna play it for us. And uh, I did one of these text-text up uh, piano players. I'm like, hey, can we get can we get Daniel to play the piano today? It's like a text, like, oh yeah, cool, I got a piano player, that's great. So Daniel said yes, thank you very much. C.S. Lewis once said, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. I thought that resonated. And we're not dancing today, uh, but you know, Second Samuel, he does, right? And uh, that's when the Ark was brought into Jerusalem, he's dancing. and. You probably know those stories, but I, I do uh, sense it does that uh, for me. The Psalms do. Hey David, thanks for joining us. <laughs> you got you got through the tornado warnings, I'm sure yeah, that's great. Um, I'm bringing this up again. We talked a little bit earlier about this. Barfi stories are wonderful. I like Daniel Rowland's example of what what it might mean to cry out. you remember he says he cried out to mom and and then you barfed. Um, I, too, I too have my cry out barfy story in which my mom had a very different response. I'll save that for afterwards. But for all of you young people out there, like the barfy stories, you know, when, when you're in the moment, it's terrible. But they last a lifetime. You tell them over and over again. It's fantastic. So when you're young and you're barfing, remember Psalm 30 right, that weeping or barfing tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Okay, so just an encouragement, right, Benny, when you feel really bad and you're sick. Uh, Today we're gonna review Psalm 103 of David. I don't know if you have a hymnal. We're gonna read it. Um, Why this Psalm? It it seemed to capture something I couldn't express in my own, A, a true and right way to praise the Lord. Um, I thought to myself that it was worth committing to memory. So uh, why? Because it just seemed to do something for me when I would state it, that I could pray it, uh, I could, um, I could uh, speak it aloud in times of fear, I could use it for praise. So um, I did, I memorized it, it took me a while, I'm not that bright, and uh, I did it while Molly had courses at Middlesex, so I'd drop her off and she would go to class and I would sit there memorizing Psalm 103 in the car, waiting for Molly to get done with her class. So, uh, killed two birds with one stone. But it's been with me ever since. And uh, it follows Psalm 102, and in Psalm 102, David is wondering why the Lord's hiding his face. Uh, He's in despair. Uh, psalm 103 then resolves that a bit and he praises the lord and the delight that he has so you can you, you can feel that in the psalm there's it's really a, a, an uplifting song he psalm, He redeems his life from the pit so he's just in despair and then he declares I who knows when these were written but that will be a question for the end so p- ponder as we go through 103 when do you think David wrote this one. But we start in Psalm 102 a bit where he's despondent, then he declares God redeemed his life from the pit, Psalm 103. Psalm 104 goes on uh, kind of with, as a royal psalm, one of these that extols the greatness of the Lord, continues the greatness of the Lord. So we're gonna focus that on 103. Um, I look at Psalm 103 as a teaching from David on, on just how to bless the Lord you know, how to live rightly before him in the right relationship, and if, if you were to say, hey, let, let's praise the Lord by golfing this morning, that might be a little bit odd. You might That might be a way that you like to do it, but might not be the way the Lord wants you to do it. And so uh, it, it, uh, it's, it's a teaching in itself. So it's important to know that how we should bless the Lord as well because he includes us within all of creation. At the end, he calls all of creation to bless the Lord. Well, how does all of creation do it? Well, it, it, it's before him as he created it, right? It lives, it exists before the Lord. That's how creation praises him. So I kinda look as at 103 as helping us live before the Lord and to praise and bless him in the way he wants us to do it. Um, and the way he calls us to do it in a proper relationship. So it has a couple, you know, intended purposes. We can use it for ourselves, but as well, it's a way to just live before the Lord and not worry that we're doing it wrong, right? So, with that, uh, as, as, we, as we go through today, we're going to read Psalm 103 first. We're going to do that. Then we're gonna pull out some categories from it and kind of talk about some of the words, the prevalent words that you see. And we're gonna get some help from our Redeemer thespians. We have four thespians who are gonna help us pull out some words uh, from, from the scripture. So we'll do that. We'll review the theology and the promises. Remember the big question I'll ask at the end, when do you think David wrote this? Keep that in the back of your brain like some participation from from the group. Um, We'll also kinda just discuss a little bit of, practically, how would would we use it? So if you two were to memorize it, how would you use it? Um, And then we'll finalize with a hymn that you're gonna all try to guess at. So in the back of your brain, think what hymn, without cheating, what hymn uh, is in our Trinity hymnal that, Reflexes. great, with that in mind, I'd like a, a, a volunteer, there's 22 verses. Some say that this mimics a little bit the Hebrew alphabet, 22. Um, I don't know if there's alliteration or starting points. I couldn't figure that out. It just seems like there's 22 verses and there's 22 Hebrew alph- alphabets. But, um, uh, so I'd like you to read it, uh, any volunteers, and there's only one caveat. I'd like you to read it with enthusiasm. You know, not the, not the straight reading, but the, but the upbeat reading, okay? Any volunteers? Oh, we got one! Go for it. Brendan, yeah. Maybe stand. Thanks. Thank you. Feels like we just stop Sunday school now and we're done, right? It's such a good one, and and you read it, and and uh, sometimes you hit different parts which touch you more than others. Uh, as for man, his days are like grass, and that's like, ooh, and somebody just die on uh, die on me, and so then, boy, that that you you recognize that, but then there's the the, the flip side. He's from everlasting to everlasting, so you might have died, but, but the Lord's there, right? So the stuff pops. Um, there's a little bit of a, a ring rotation. I was looking for patterns, like what's the pattern here? It's not like others, that the most important thing's in the middle, and it goes out, it's, uh, uh, you, you see some parallelism there. It's really like a ring. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, starts, and he finishes, bless the Lord, O my soul. Like this is a thing where he's just sort of encapsulating it, like. And that's, where it, that's what caught me on this psalm in the first place. I said, well, he's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Then how? Well, the rest of the psalm tells you how. And that's what's great about it. Um, I tried to put it in categories. The, the best that I could find was Spurgeon. Breaks this out, first, 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 first five verses. Uh, he's personally declaring what the Lord has done for him. So this is a psalm of David. We don't have to guess at that. And it's what the Lord has done for him, uh, and you pick you pick this out. Um, you know, He forgives, He heals, He redeems, crowns with steadfast love, and mercy satisfies you with good. That's all that that uh, first part. And then there's a big bulk of it, six through 19. These are going to be just declaring the really the attributes of God. It's almost you know when I started running through this a bit, like what is the structure? It's like declaring back to God who God is. Just attributes, just goes on and on and he keeps going. You see a little bit in there the play on who man is versus who God is. So that's where the relationship part starts to come together. Who are we before the Lord and keep declaring to him His wondrous, who he, who he is, how wondrous he is. And then the last part uh, is a call. So the first is a a kind of a call to himself, right? That's a personal thing. The next piece is declaring who he is, and then the last piece is calling out to the rest of the world to do what he's doing. Um, So that's the structure. What I'd like to do now is uh, to get you thinking a little bit. So in your brain, Think to yourself, self. Um, what are the words that pop for you or are, resonate the most with you in this psalm? But we're gonna get a little help. So while you're doing that, we're gonna get our Redeemer thespians to come up and do a little charades. And you can guess the word they're trying to act out. You know charades, you can't say anything, you have to act it, and then you have to guess it, okay? So should we start with Ben? Come on, Ben. What he's going to act out for us is one of the words that's in the psalm. So it's not gonna be so hard. It's not a random thing. It's in the psalm somewhere. Okay, so, Benny? Here, let me, let me, let me. I get to cheat. I get to see what word okay. Who got that? Wow, awesome. That was fast. I don't know, you're gonna have to, what was that, like two seconds? (laughs) So uh, crown, Uh, let's just start with that word. How does that play within uh, how he reveals this? In the beginning, he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So just any thoughts here Uh, when David's recollecting this and he uses the word crowns you with love and mercy, um, like what does that say to you? What do you glean from that? Mm-hmm. Right, he is the king, and he bestows on us this, this crown. Um, so, um, the crown is kind of the highest you can get, so it's in contrast to like before, it means your life in the pit. So, that's as low as you can go. He takes you up from the bottom. Really good point. So you're gonna see that same theme. Uh, this is like one of those you know, dramatic psalms. He, he swings to s- such extremes to make the point. Right, he your, redeems your life from the pit. The pit is the place that animals were trapped where we know Joseph was thrown. Like we know so many things. What happens in the pit? Terrible things. Uh, and he redeems you but then sets you up and, and crowning you and it, he points out that this with steadfast love and mercy, so this steadfastness, this consistency, but the mercy part is um, you, were, you, were, you should have stayed in the pit, <laughs> but you are now uh, redeemed. Cool. Any, any other comments on Crown? I love the conversation. Uh, to your point, steadfast love and mercy, it's very clear that it's, it's nothing from us. Mm. Absolutely. Corrie? It's bling, yeah. Right, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I, I liked, oh, others? So, um, who satisfies you with good, he follows it on with it's not just that, he heaps it on, satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So when I was first reading this, that confused me. <laughs> uh, does it confuse you? Like why are, we, why are they compared to eagles? The, the youth of an eagle? Is any, any, any thoughts there? You, you can't soar, yeah, you can't soar you know you're more like a vulture, is that what you're saying? I'm more like a rat. Yeah. <laughs> a rat. well here and and we'll see it there's other uh, references to eagles in scripture and a lot of it refers to youth and vitality and i would I would say that this is pointing to spiritual youth um, you know because it doesn't it doesn't make sense that this is pointing to just that you're gonna live forever young, right? It, like your youth like, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I know it's, it talks about like youth is in that term and eagle, this idea of, of youth and, and enduring strength. Uh, but I think the reference there is that you know he's, he's crowning you with steadfast love and mercy that you might live before him with spiritual fervor forever. You know, this is the, the opposite of, of complaining, I would say, in our lives, or grumbling, which the Israelites were accused of, and they were judged for grumbling, couldn't go into the land, they grumbled, 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 grumbled. And, and I only bring that up as a self-confession, like David, I'm a grumbler, sometimes I don't say it out loud, but I'm a pretty good grumbler he talks about a like a i wish you were you know like a israel that you would be like a chick you know mother hen being um i i haven't heard eagle like spreading his wings and flying kind of thing it was more referring to youth but i you know an eagle's majestic right it's free so Mount up with wings like eagles. There you got it. Yeah. So he just mentioned Isaiah. For any other thoughts on eagles? Am I wrong? I mean, you could say no. You're 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 silly. Uh, he, he, we're going to live forever in heaven, so we're going to always be youthful. Maybe. That's their standard, right? <laughs> yeah, so instead of being a eagles soaring killing small animals. Yeah, uh, I would agree that there's this, this idea of um, uh, above all in the heavens, right? So the eagles would be like that, soaring, right? I like it, okay. Uh, Another thespian, who would like to volunteer? Maybe from this side of the room? Daniel, all right. He not only plays the piano, but he can dramatize words. Do Do you know what that means, by the way? Two syllables, two syllables. Did someone say it? Who, who said it? Heavens! Wow, nice. Curran brings it in. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Any applause for the heavens? All right, excellent. So, uh, let's see which verse does the heavens come in. Let's see. Maybe you can find it for me. 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. So uh, you see this uh, dramatic statement, as high as the heavens are, and, and we know, you know SpaceX is now flying up into the heavens and they might get to Mars but isn't that a short distance as compared to what their heavens really are? Like, they're expansive. So, here another exclamation of just a dramatic nature. Imagine they, they didn't know Elon Musk back then. So, you know, we didn't have the moon projects even back then. So, as high as the heavens are above, so we had the eagle before, but the heavens are above the eagle. Like, the heavens keep going. We can't get there. That's so dramatic. So, as high as the heavens are, like, so when you, when you get a sense for how David's talking here, you almost get your soul to do the same thing. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my goodness, this God is so great as high as those heavens are. And then he follows it up. Um, as far as the east is from the west. Like, do they touch? Do the east and west touch? They can't, right? Because if you're going east, you keep going east. And you go west, you keep going west. You know? And maybe some of you are more flexible, but my arms don't touch. <laughs> it's like So as far, so what does that do? That assures us that before him, what does he say about it? As far as the east is from west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So that assurance, so this just declares that it's, that it's totally eliminated like this dramatic language, Uh, just like from the pit to the crown, we've got the east from the west, we've gone, it's totally gone. Does he remove our transgressions from us? So thinking about David writing this at a point, he's just realizing this and recounting every one of these things are coming into his mind of just what has the Lord done uh, for him. Um, any comments on heavens above the earth? Thoughts that it brings to you? Ronnie. Yeah, I, I think he had a really good point that he's using the things that we know to describe who he is of of things that are so great that they're we don't even know them, right? We we can observe them, we just don't know them, right? Ginny, heavens declare the glory of God. yeah, heavens declare the glory of God. God, you're, you're you're starting to recount a whole bunch of things you're hearing in other Psalms, right? So it's another way that. This, this one brings a lot of things together is you're hearing echoes of other psalms in this one psalm. Yeah, so you're saying there's many examples, right? And he starts out broad, and then brings it more personal, right? Yeah, he starts out personal in the the beginning of the psalm, but then he weaves it through uh, in the middle. Uh, Let's just bring up that just briefly. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. when, when you read that as a father, speaking to fathers here, what does that speak to you? Uh, does it give you fear? Uh, is, it, is it a joyful verse? Uh, is it uh, troublesome? What's your perspective? Are you focusing on the word fear? We're on father show compassion to his children. One question, is it easy to show compassion to your children? <laughs> I think he nailed my, my initial impression of that was I'm not worthy, right, to show, like you, you, there's times that it's really easy to show compassion to your children. Other times it's really hard. <laughs> and uh, so, What what I gleaned from that was behind all of that, he's assuming that a father shows compassion to his children. I.e., if you're not, you're not like the Lord. So therefore, how do you live as a father before the Lord God Almighty as he's treated you with steadfast love and mercy? And in this particular instance, compassion uh, to your children. Right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think, another, and on, onto that, the word fear could also be some, some term of like, to know. Um, you know, f- fear means sort of respect or um, acknowledgement, right, of a, of a greater power, of fear in that sense, right, respect. Uh, but also, you, you don't respect somebody you don't know. So it's just this idea of intimacy so that you know him, you fear him, but it's that kind of fear that's out of respect, right? Let's pick another word so we can move ourselves through some of, the, some of these. Brendan, would you do the honors? That's fantastic. He had green, so that kind of tipped you off. So I think we've got really good pantomimers that have come up because you've guessed these things within like five seconds. So uh, good, so that, so that moves us a little bit into, so for, verse 14, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for a man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like the flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. So just reflect on that a little bit, um, on a few things in there. Of course, grass grows. He, he talks that uh, the wind passes over it, so it flourishes, of course. Uh, wind passes over it, and it's gone. So in true fashion, what would follow that little statement? And its place knows it no more. <laughs> like, you would expect that if we're doing dramatics here, right? If some of you are, some of you have have been the the dramatic one in your family, right? Always. Uh, the place knows it no more. How empty is that? It's at its at its core you're you're not remembered you're gone and that's what man is what do you think about that feel good about that do you relate with it is it a tim what it's a fact i know except something like gutenberg right And you're like oh yeah, he's got the gutenberg press i know that yeah Teresa's bringing it to an all-time low. So if you haven't invented anything, it's like you never lived. (laughs) No, but, but that isn't at the point. I saw another hand. Ronnie? Right? Yeah, it's a contrast. though, Daniel? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, what does it matter? <laughs> right. Yeah, unless you think, hey, you can listen down from heaven. Oh, they're talking about me. Yeah. Is it good? You know? Yeah, and and so is that clearly it's saying that our days are cover. Well, it also says that the steadfast low before it's ever last, there says that we won't be low forever. So heaven, Right, right? And and that's that's where I was where I was gonna go next. So we're at the lowest of the lows. And then we get a, a word that we're not pantomiming, steadfast. Steadfast love of the Lord. It comes up over and over again. And it's, it feels like, you know, we'd want, you know, Max McLean here to say it properly. But it's like, you know, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. And the wind passes over it. It's gone. And his place knows it no more. And then Max would come up and he'd say, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, who, to those who keep his commandments, to remember to do his commandments. Right, this big, bold declaration, but. right. Whenever you see that in scripture, it's a great contrast. So we are, are, are frail and we disappear even disappear worse because we don't even know that we've disappeared and people are still talking about us. And then the steadfast love of the Lord goes on, everlasting. And um, you know, I think, I think to your point, it's, it's that it is everlasting. We just happen to be a different part of that creation and that he knows us from generation to generation and so there's, there's that assurance, right? Eternal life is that assurance that we'll be with him some somehow, it doesn't necessarily declare all of that. Um, and then it finishes there, the Lord established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So back to the heavens, back to this throne, this declaration that he is over all. And once again, where do we fit? Well, we're his creation. We should talk back to him who he is. That's what this, this does. Thoughts here? Any other thoughts? Tim? Right, right. You should get on with it. Yeah. Speaking to that, let's go for another, our last and final word from our thespian, Redeemer thespian. The the request was to use my forehead. I'm a little little concerned. Uh, Granted. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so bless starts in the beginning and comes to us at the end right um, what Daniel you may, or Brendan I'm not sure which one of you talked about bless last week what did you say about bless recount for us to speak a good word uh, about somebody. That's how it was used in the last Psalm Smackdown session. Uh, Here, uh, I I found another reference to, um, to bless a being. Let me just pull here. That's a good one. Where do I have my notes? It was to kneel so as as uh, it's very similar in a way but uh, to kneel sort of out of out of respect and so it's this idea you know the, all this whole psalm is is being done you can see in a perspective of humility and that humble method of showing fear it's enabling us to Uh, express back to the Lord in the proper attitude that he deserves and I don't think we would do this to the Lord himself you know kind of there's a little flipping uh, but David's calling on his soul to do it in the beginning with all his being like everything heart, mind, soul and uh, it got him to dancing as well right so not gonna dance here, uh, but, but that's what that was the response of him. And then at the end, he says, bless the Lord, all owe oh you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. What a great reference directly to angels doing his word. Pretty cool, I think it's really straightforward. Uh, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you host his ministers who do his will. I think that's a call to generically all. Right, uh, that do his will here, and then all his works in all the places of his dominion. It's just like every animal, every creature, and um, finishes up with, bless the Lord, oh my soul. So thank you to our thespians. Um, let's move to a few things. Theology, these will be kind of quick portions and call outs. Um, there is something that Mary does in Luke which has some references back to Psalm 103 and similarities, Uh, Mary's Magnificat. If you recall that, that would be from Luke 1. And uh, verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And so this is as she's with Elizabeth, right? And the babies say hi to each other uh, in the womb and then she declares out and she speaks out. And then in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation, right? A direct relationship to Psalm 103 and the calling of generation to generation. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, That's kind of the only place that I saw some New Testament references back to 103 specifically. There's tons of references uh, to Psalms, of course, but this one was direct. Um, just a call out, we, we talked about this word remember. I thought it would be pretty hard to pantomime, so I didn't give it to anybody. But uh, the word remember here is used in two directions. So he remembers our frame, that we are dust. The Lord remembers us. Whenever you hear that in scripture, uh, it's, it's him not, not the opposite of forgetting, Right? It's him acting upon his own word, remembering his creation there. But then on the flip side, um, it's used for us to remember. So this whole psalm is in a way that we would remember the Lord and his steadfastness. So it's by, used bi-directionally in this and then I think the whole psalm is, how do I remember the Lord? Well, I remember him through all of his wondrous acts and his attributes. And as you see, you can see that throughout this whole psalm. Um, so, a couple things, maybe just a, f- a few. Um, just think this way. In this psalm, we've read it a few times, talked about it. What does the Lord do? What are, what are things that kind of appeal to you that you saw in here that the Lord does? Just kind of a few comments, whatever you think about it. Like, for you personally, What resonates to you? What does the Lord do? He loves. He does what? Provides. Provides. Does not deal with us according to our sins. Does not chide. Will not stay angry. Works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He reveals himself, he's knowable. Right, the Lord remembers us, right, specifically, generation to generation. So I'd, I would you know, encourage you, um, times of fear, depression, whatever, read this. This is what the Lord does for you. Now on the flip side, you know, what does man or David do? Supposed to bless the Lord, remember his words, do his will, and underwriting this, um, I think, is this idea of like a hope, an anticipation, like this spiritual groaning to see him, like underwriting all of this and what David's saying is there's a hope, right? There's a hope in the Lord. And that's that's what you should see sort of underwriting this as a current. Okay, um, you know, we, we've we recounted this already. His prom- promises, he gives promises here, his enduring faithfulness and our redemption. Like the gospel is in here, his enduring faithfulness and our redemption is right there. So, I have an opinion about when David wrote this. Love yours. When do you think he wrote this? Early in life, midlife. Well, you know, there's a couple David settings, right? There's the early Goliath days where he's like young and he's a champion. There's there's the days where he's being kind of persecuted by Saul and gonna die. Um, there's the days where he's majestic king. There's the days when he's an unfaithful king spouse, everything, and then, then there's later days. Okay, so there's these days of David. When do you think it was that he wrote this psalm? Righteous king? I'm sorry. Uh, at, at the end. Happy, so he's when, when the kingdom's good and he's ruling, got it, not a depressing one, certainly. Uh, Ronnie? I would say near the end because he's uh what sticks out to me is that um he's it seems to me that he's making a very strong statement that he is not holding God's not holding the sins against him and David big sinned greatly, you know. There you go, the sin and the forgiveness part. Big. He forgave me of big things and he's trying to like I hope he forgives me of big things, because I've done big things. Yeah. Others? Right. Yeah, I think you're you're zeroing in on this. Um the if you look in the psalm and you, you've got an electronic version, it links to words. And as you start hitting them, almost every sentence has some link back to another psalm. So my as I was going through that, I'm like, Oh my goodness, he's recounting other songs he's written. Right? A good poet. <laughs> figuring his own self out, so there's that. But uh, I think maybe more importantly, Charles Spurgeon, once again, um, suggests that it was written later in life as seen by the psalmist's focus on his frailty of life and his, quote, higher sense of the preciousness of pardon because of a keener sense of sin. It's his idea of a life lived and realizing that he's just sinful at the end and he need a redeeming God, so there's that. Okay, so we're gonna sing a hymn to finish. And uh, which hymn are we singing? Daniel, don't tell him. Which hymn, which hymn do you think? Tim? uh, (laughs) No, we don't have Audrey Crouches, no, no. Um, No guesses, any guesses? You can't be wrong, a guess means just a guess. What's that? Before the throne of God, good guess. Not that one. Uh, this one was, uh, let me give you a hint. Um, a Christian hymn, it draws from 103, written by Anglican divine Henry Francis Light. First published in 1834. Did not a, that wasn't a clue. You're not a follower of light. He's, at least his hymn's remembered, right? He's forgotten, long forgotten, Uh, but uh, his hymn is remembered here. Um, Let me make sure it's the right one. It's hymn number 76. Drawing it out, ring a bell yet? You're like zeroing in, you're like, oh, I knew it was that one. Praise my soul, soul, the king of heaven. So why don't we stand and sing as we uh, finish.